You're listening to Called to Action, a School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific podcast. On season four, we touch on a subject that's very important and crucial to the mission of School Sisters of Notre Dame. We welcome you to join us on this journey as we educate ourselves and work towards a better world. Welcome back to another episode of Called to Action. We're back with episode two after a very successful episode one and an introduction to racial justice. Yeah, I thought it was a good way for us to just to begin to dive into the topic. It's a difficult one. I've spent a lot of time thinking about racism in general since, since that conversation. So I hope that our audience um, appreciated it. I am excited about today's conversation and so glad that Sister Jamber Rich is able to join us today. So welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So if you just uh, share a little bit about yourself, and uh, which might tie into why we've invited you to be a guest speaker with us. Well, it's kind of a long, little long history, never taking the turn I thought it would take. I've been professed for 53 years. Uh, I entered the School Sisters of Notre Dame right after high school. I began teaching second grade, and I taught every single grade from kindergarten until high school. I was a grade school principal for six years. But I had a community member that said, I think you'd be good in high school. You know, and I kind of put it off for a year or two. And then I made the jump to say, "Okay, I'll give it a try. You know, they can't be any worse than grade school kids. They're just bigger bodies. (laughs) So I did. And I interviewed at Notre Dame High School and I was accepted. And so I I began at Notre Dame just basically teaching. I think it was scripture and church, nothing in the social justice area. And we had a, a sister from Honduras come and talk to us one day at the high school. And something happened inside of me, and I don't know what it was. So, you know, I kept thinking and thinking. I thought, you know, maybe I'll give this a try. And we had a program called GAP, uh, Global Apostolic Awareness Program, where you would go like the, some went to Guatemala, some went to Honduras, and I forget where the other group went. And so I, I did that. I got to see all the different things of the culture, and I just, something inside of me fell in love with it. And I don't know if it was the people or what they believed in and how they lived. It's something you can't forget once you have that experience. I mean, it touches you. It makes it makes poverty. It makes people real when you have that relationship. You can't erase those memories from your mind. So I came back. I knew that at that point that was not the thing for me to do, but I was taking a different direction. So I came back and I got hired at Notre Dame High School again. That's when my journey became taking students on service trips. So for about seven years after that, every summer, I took students to Honduras to experience this. The social justice just kind of was there. And luckily for me, the teacher retired who was teaching it, and I got to teach it. So it became kind of my baby, so to speak, to teach. And I just, I love teaching it. I I miss teaching it. The students love the class because it put their faith into reality. So this is a, a practical course. This is where all your faith life comes in your actions now and how you see this, but it has to be surrounded by your faith. And that's what makes Catholic social teaching different from just justice. We put our faith, we put our scripture on top of that. And that's where it draws from. That's where it comes from. I also participated in the Global Awareness Program, GAP, and that was um, and deepening, uh, maybe not so much a turning, but a deepening of what it meant to live my faith. Really that call to to justice and peace and integrity of creation uh, was really cemented through my my experience. Um, I then eventually had the opportunity to live there for 10 years in Guatemala. 
And having lived that faith, then to live the the Catholic social teachings, I have to say that's probably one of our best kept secrets as the Catholic community, that these teachings, this wisdom that's really built from our tradition, our scriptural tradition, and then also lived out then in our papal, our conciliar, and our episcopal documents. So when you talk about Catholic social teaching or Catholic social justice, what are some of the the themes that always stand out for you? So I guess the starting point usually was, I would start with creation, and God made all things, and God said it was good. And the whole point is to bring it back to good. And so I used a lot the term right relationships with them. We want to bring everything back as it was in the beginning, as God would have it. And so then I would dive into the different social justice teachings. And, you know, I pretty much had to stick with the curriculum because I only had so much time to get everything in I wanted to get in. But the life and dignity of the human person was kind of the framework of everything. Always started with scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. You know, where was justice there? What was it meant? How was it different in Old Testament versus the New Testament? You know, and what are we living today? And so the students always, whenever they did anything, always had to base everything on something from Scripture. The social teaching documents, we did those. They each had one. They each had to give a report on one. I had them hanging in the room all year to show that this is something that has been in our history for a long time, and most people have never heard about it. I said, you ask your parents, ask your grandparents. Probably nobody has said it. Has any priest talked about it? you know, in a homily, you know, probably not. So that's where I kind of frameworked everything under that life and dignity of the human person. And as we moved into the different things, different topics would come up, you know, one after the other, and always going back to that right relationships. God said it was good. How do we make it good? How do we bring it back to those right relationships with ourselves, with God, and with others? I love that curriculum. And I wanted to kind of go back to something you said, because I went to Catholic school You mentioned that there was a course called Social Justice. Is that something that sisters have always promoted to have in their curriculum? Because I only remember having religion classes. It wasn't as far as I know until I came to Notre Dame. It was in the curriculum basically as an option, extra course, but eventually we made it into a required course because the students loved it. And it usually would like to be the last course they took before they graduated because that's when they go out. That's when it makes sense to them. Yeah, my first cultural diversity class was like freshman year of college. And see, now it's a big, big, huge topic. Diversity, you know, and all of that is just huge. And how do you put that in a curriculum? How do you not separate it? You know, sometimes I wonder if we're putting it in a little separate category, it should be part of the whole. It should permeate into all aspects. I'm more for the mission, the integrating that into their lives and their practice. And I think it looks so much at what we're talking about in terms of of racism. Again, looking at this topic isn't just something we pull out, except the fact that we do need to look at it because we have not admitted that there is racism in our society. And when we look at our Catholic social teaching that talks about that life and dignity of the human person, you know, to recognize that all life is sacred, it doesn't matter. And yet we have made it, uh, you know, something separate. And to recognize that when we look at those social teachings, we're talking from abortion to euthanasia, we are talking about uh, anything that threatens life. Racism threatens lives. It destroys lives. And so we have to take and look at that. You know, and the other part of another piece of that Catholic social teaching was 
looking at how we organize society. That's looking at our economics, our politics. You know, how do we participate? What are our laws? What are our policies? What are the ones that really do not protect life and the dignity of the human person? You know, and I said, if any law or anything that we vote on or you vote on, we talk about voting, you know, you always have to look at everything in light of our marginalized, our most, you know, more vulnerable people, whoever they might be, you know, whether it's a racial, whether it's something else. But if it's not helping them, then we have to take a look at that. And we talked about social sin, institutional sin, what that is, you know, and they're like, oh, all they'll ever heard of is venial mortal sin. So let's move beyond this now. You know, what we do does affect everybody, but it's a bigger piece. Structures and all things that can sin, not just us. And, you know, they just, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, and I love teaching that because it's something they've never heard of before, you know, so they're very curious about it. And it's a broad picture. It really is. Listening to you both talk, and I was just trying to think like how the message of racism got so muddied in in religion. It's in the Bible. Moses, when they talk about the, uh, the Jews building the pyramids, they were slaves. So I'm kind of like sitting here as somebody that's been Catholic educated for a good portion of my schooling, and it was all there. All the stuff we're talking about now, viewing people, you know, not as a race and diversity and acceptance. It's just, I, I don't know, I, kind of sad because we've always had the tools. God's always had them there for us to, to use. It was interesting. One of the activities I did with them, what they really liked was our vocabulary today. You know, how many of these words and phrases we use are very racist and very just harming. They each got a word like peanut gallery, cakewalk, things like that. And they had to look up the history of that and found out where it came from and how it is used as a slur or racial thing. Hip hip hooray is against the Jews. It would just open their eyes to a lot of things. And we have an annual fall festival and one of the Afro-American girls wanted to do a cakewalk. I said, I want you to look up the meaning of cakewalk. She had no idea. She says, oh, I don't think we're going to do that then, after she read about it. I said, okay, just a little learning thing. So I explained it to the whole group. Well, I think you need to explain it to our audience, because I'm not sure everyone would know. The, because the Afro-Americans could not dance with the whites, they were always separated. And so it was their way of making fun of the whites and how they danced. So they jiggle around at them and on this cakewalk and get prizes for the one that acted more like the whites. Long time no see was another one that was making fun of, I think it was either the Asians or the um, Native Americans learning English where they wouldn't always talk in complete sentences. Long time no see, we say that all the time, but it was because the people couldn't put the whole sentence together. So they kind of made fun of them by just pulling out the words that they knew and how they spoke. I think that it's true that there's so many derogatory, and we say them innocently now, but they really were meant as derogatory statements. How was the phrase going? Long time no see, you know, but really it was a derogatory toward a group of people who couldn't speak properly or who just learned a language. You know, we think, oh, we only learned one language, but they had learned many. So, you know, to, to, re- to begin to recognize racial slurs mm-hmm. um, and we can't use them innocently today. You know, it's the same as we talk about the naming of sports teams and say, oh, but that's a good thing. And it's like, well, no, it's not. Or, you know, we, I think of our celebrating the the holiday of Thanksgiving and the ongoing myth that we continue to teach 
that the the pilgrims and the indigenous sat side by side and had this wonderful meal. Well, that's not true. It's a myth. But we continue to propagate that and promote the, those those kinds of things. And I think that's why looking at, as, as you said, Adam, from our conversation, our first conversation is to begin to look at what are my thinkings? What, are, what do I say? And to reevaluate those and say, do I want to continue using those phrases? You know, when I think of racism, you know, and I always told the kids, it's not a black white issue in my estimation. You know, there's the Native Americans, there's the Asians, there's just many, many other, anyone that's different from us really, or different from you. Just to expand their view on what actually racism means like that, I think is is really important. Yeah, and that we really um, have a responsibility to look at our Catholic social teaching. We have a responsibility to live our Christian values. Uh, so when we look at our duties and our responsibilities, to really look at what is what is our option for the poor, the vulnerable. You know, I was thinking one of the other Catholic social teachings, you know, talks about solidarity. So solidarity, do, do we recognize that we are one human family, that we are brothers and sisters? That's where you get into the immigration issue, the, the racism. That was the whole chapter in the book on solidarity was those particular issues of being one and the right relationships and how we form that. And that really racism has no place in our Christian hearts. And it's really, it's an evil. An evil that causes great harm to its victims and corrupts our society. And so that's another reason why we need to really look at the topic of racism and to look at our own hearts and where do we find racism within our own hearts, but really look at society. And I think that's what Catholic social teaching does for us and helps us is to look at society because this is really, it's, it's structural. And I call it a sin. You know, and that they don't like to hear the word sin. Nobody likes to hear the word sin, but it is a breaking of that right relationships is what it is. You know, and it's social. It's a social sin and it moves into the structural sin. Your faith needs to grow and you need to know those things. And I, I appreciate you using the word. It's, it's a social sin, which means we all participate in it. And so we are all responsible. So when we look at it systemically, to look at the, the economic inequality, the, um, to look at our, our housing, uh, our criminal justice system, and how, how does racism play into that system and that structure? Then you also have the difference between justice and charity. Why do we keep having food drives? Where's the problem there? You know, we're just perpetrating the need for food. Why is that problem there? I, I did a little skit with them. It's about the babies floating down the river. And seniors, of all things, they get really into this. And it's this people, and they see this baby floating down the river, and they pick it up, and so they care for it. And the next day, there's three babies floating down the river. And then this continues and continues. So they set up this whole thing of emergency care, you know, housing and feeding all these babies and going on, until finally one little person comes up and said, have any of you gone up the river to see why they're coming down? And then the other person goes, shh, we don't want them to know. And so there's your, your cutoff between justice and charity. Go into that, which you said, the systemic change, the root cause of it. And if we never go beyond the charity, we're never going to change anything. And talking about that, is that kind of the point of critical race theory? 
the institutionalized uh, concept of trying to control that conversation of addressing those things in the classroom or these terms are, are very hard to, to grasp once you start reading the definitions. Well, it's interesting. Most people never heard of critical race theory before the last couple years. And it, it has become a term that has been thrown out there with very little to no understanding of what, what that is. And, you know, they, they say, well, we don't want critical race theory taught in schools. Well, for one, it's not taught in schools. It really is an intellectual theory. It was developed in the 1970s, really by legal scholars. And, and it was really to help to understand why the U.S. Um, civil rights movement that took, that took place in the 60s, 70s, why it has lost momentum, and what needs to be done to reverse racism. And so that that's really where the conversation began. So, you know, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Jan, that you didn't teach critical race theory <laughs> in yeah. high school. Definitely talked about racism and Catholic right. social teaching. And so that's that's been thrown out and used as a way to say, well, we're not even going to talk about racism because it doesn't exist. And, and, and it's almost to say, using that to say, well, now we can't even talk about the reality of our justice system or our lack of justice system and, and look at the systemic changes that need to take place because we're denying that there are needs. Seems like the powers that may be in, in people 40 plus are very, you know, kid gloves with the subject still. In my experience from the Notre Dame High School, there's more and more diversity now in the school than there was. And I think Notre Dame's been very good about doing that with the girls. They have a dance every year in Black History Month, and they do go way out to do things. So same thing with um, Hispanics. They do their quinceanera, and they dress up and have a nice show. So I'm very proud of Notre Dame for really making an effort to get those cultures recognized. I think one of the, the pieces, too, is to recognize that race is socially constructed. It's culturally invented. And to recognize, too, that it was invented to oppress and exploit people of color. Racism was invented to justify slavery, the Jim Crow laws, uh, to enforced racial segregation, uh, the redlining that we mentioned previously, and as a way to deny basic civil rights, which goes back to our Catholic social teachings that everyone has civil rights. And if we don't teach that in the high school, then we can't change that. And that's unfortunately when, when they're saying, well, we don't want critical race theory taught, but we don't even want to admit that that is uh, a race as a social construct that we've created to oppress and exploit others. And if we don't admit that, then we can't change it. How far has the, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Notre Dame and their teaching in the classroom. Uh, and when we did last season, we talked about immigration and I found out about a lot of documents that Pope's put out that address that situation. Where are we with the public view of the Catholic Church in addressing racism? I don't know that it's ever mentioned, really, in many things. I know social teachings are in all the encyclicals back from Urim Navarum, which was the very first one, which no one ever heard of. But, you know, it goes back that far. Now, why we would 
have an encyclical all these years and never have any action that followed them, you know, is always baffling to me. But Well, and maybe it's part of that is when we so often talk about even scripture, we keep it at a very high level. And I think that's what you were trying to do as a as a teacher is to bring it down to their level, you know, to our real, our flesh and blood lives. So when we keep it in our documents only, um, then it's not lived out. It does get messy, you know, and it's not, we're not going to have a lovely discussion on racism. It's going to get messy because feelings are going to come out. Hatred, whatever it is, is going to come out. And I think sometimes we shy away from that because we don't want to deal with the mess. But unless you have the mess first, you're never going to get beyond that. You can't go without having that discussion and that dialogue. We talked about that, the first one, a little bit about white privilege, Mm -hmm. because if I'm going to talk about racism, I have to talk about my white privilege and to recognize that that I have privilege because of that. And uh, so it, it is hard. And you even find out, even as seniors in high school, they're very opinionated already. You got to really start lower than that because it's it's amazing how some of them come and say, you know, oh, there's not white privilege. We should have white privilege. I mean, it gets a little like, oh, wow, you know, says a lot about their background, their family and so on. So I want to go back to you mentioned about. So what is the church teaching more recently? And I'm, again, we have these documents that most people don't know about, but back in 2018, so if you think in 2018, some of the, the what was happening, George Floyd was murdered. The USCCB, the U- United States Catholic Conference of Bishops, actually wrote a document that uh, they have an ad hoc committee, continue to have an ad hoc committee, and they wrote a pastoral letter against racism. And it's called, Open Wide Our Hearts. The Enduring Call to Love. So they actually wrote a document. We can put in the show notes a reference to the USCCB because they actually have a page uh, or pages to talk about learning about structural racism and its roots in our community. And I, I to be really honest, because we're having, <laughs> having these conversations, I went and looked it up. And they really, they have the talk about systemic racism, economic inequality, criminal justice system, employment, the effect of racism on employment. They actually have documents that we can go back and read and help us to come on to understand the the structural racism that we have. But again, thanks, Jan, for the teachings that you've done as a teacher, but you're one teacher. We need multiple teachers, a retired teacher at that, but we really need to read those documents to give us greater insight to say what is being taught, what is being said. And, and that's why I think that the Catholic social teaching is so good because it's a tradition based on not only scripture and what the gospel says and our Christian values, but it's also written based on these documents that have been written over, over the centuries, but even recent documents where our bishops have taken a step out there, or at least some of the bishops, to to say racism is wrong. The ending thing that the kids did in a social justice class was they each got a topic. They could choose a topic, and they had a, a presentation of at least 15 minutes about this topic. And of course, they had all the steps they had to have, you know, all their references. And they had to have something from the USCCB and from the CCC, the Catholic Catechism. You know, so they knew what those things were. And that was on the test. What does USCCB mean, you know? So they had to look at those documents. Well, would they remember that? I don't know, but I tried. 
So really, that it is who we are as school sisters in Notre Dame, and I, I, I thank you, Jan, for bringing that out and living that our values as school sisters, and that's why we're having this podcast on racism as hard as it is and probably will be as we move into conversations. But the reminder that it's our work, it is our work to look at how are we complicit, how do I benefit from white privilege, and to know that racism is structural and we have a responsibility in that because we belong to this society. Sister, you shared so much great perspective with us and and really helped give me a better understanding of where Catholic social teaching is on racism now. Um, I I thought it might be nice if you could help us close the show out uh, with a prayer. I want to know if you'd help us do that. Sure, be glad to. This is an excerpt from the Prayers of the Faithful Against Racism. Loving and just God, you call all people to live as brothers and sisters, regardless of their culture, their language, or the color of their skin. Forgive us for the times we have failed, and give us your grace to overcome the evil of racism, so that our hearts may become free of all prejudice and animosity. We ask this through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Call to Action. We invite you to join us every other Wednesday for a new episode. You can listen to Call to Action on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and by visiting ssndcp.org forward slash call to action. To stay up to date with what's new with the School Sisters, please follow the School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific Province on Facebook. We thank you for your support and listening to Call to Action.